to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's so good to be in worship with you this morning. I want to remind you that on September 18th, a couple Mondays ahead, we have our Mission Outreach Golf Tournament. We raise a ton of money for our mission partners. It's at Brookfield Country Club. You can sign up as a single or if you have a team. We're also looking for sponsors. Only a few days left to do that. So if you're interested, um, go to the church website. Today we're going to continue our sermon series, Nutrition Facts, as we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit that Paul lists out in Galatians 5. We've called it Nutrition Facts because we're trying to look for the theological seeds that the Spirit plants in our heart that bears fruit. So this isn't something that we work really hard at through our strenuous effort um, that we're trying to like fabricate fruit. No, it's we're bearing witness to what God has done for us and by bearing witness, that bears fruit in our lives. If you were on vacation last Sunday, We had the treat of hearing our summer seminary intern, Morgan Burge, preach. She preached a marvelous sermon on patience. And if you missed it, go to the church website or the podcast so you can hear her. It's really fun to hear a young preacher as she finds her voice and bears witness to what God has done in her life and from the text. So I highly encourage you to do that. Well, we've looked at love, joy, peace, patience, and today we're going to look at kindness. We're going to look through the lens of 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 20. Let us open our hearts, our minds, and our ears for the word of the Lord. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children... Let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask in the next few moments you might be our teacher by your spirit, that we might bear witness to what you have done for us And by bearing witness, we might bear fruit in our lives. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We often worry about being too kind to others. But we never worry about people being too kind to us. Let me illustrate. A few years ago, Amazon used this slogan for a holiday ad. Kindness, the greatest gift. The dating app, Bumble, encouraged its users. Kindness is sexy. Harry Styles, Phoebe Bridgers, sang to their fans, treat people with kindness. A campaign in the UK went in the other direction. 
They warned people about handing money to beggars. They said, your kindness could kill. Then a recent bumper sticker tried to split the difference between these two, and it said, this whole kill them with kindness thing is taking way longer than I expected. (laughs) Our culture has an ambivalence to kindness. We often worry about being too kind to others. We never worry about people being too kind to us. See, when have you ever experienced the kindness of a stranger? The kindness that wasn't going to earn them anything. There was no way to pay them back. They just showed you kindness. A number of years ago, I was in Pittsburgh for my sister-in-law's graduation from Carnegie Mellon. I had a morning flight to come back to Atlanta. The the flight was at 7.25 a.m. I set my alarm for 5.10 a.m. so I'd have plenty of time to pack and get to the airport. I'm one of those flyers I hate to rush. So I must have stayed up too late the night before because when I opened my eyes, there was way too much sunshine coming through the hotel window. I looked at the clock and it read 6.30 a.m. I run around, throw my clothes in a bag, I call an Uber and I brush my teeth. The Uber driver arrives and he asks me, when's your flight? I say, 7.25. He says, p.m.? I said, no, a.m. He goes, well, okay, get in. And so we fly up the interstate. I see the time go by, 6.50, 7, 7.10, we pull up to the airport. I get out and I run to the security gate. The security guy there sees the panic in my eyes and he waves me to the front. I go through, I get on the plane train. I take it to the end of the Pittsburgh airport. Then I'm running down the concourse to my gate. And I finally make it to my gate and there's no one around except a solitary gate agent. I'm out of breath. And he says, Jeff? I say, yes. He says, oh, I'm sorry. You're going to have to go to customer service. We've shut the doors and the plane's about to take off. I was so deflated. And you all know me pretty well. I'm given to a little melodrama. And so I, I bang my forehead on the desk there. Just, oh, oh, I let out a groan. And he must have appreciated my melodrama. Because he goes, hold on a second. And I raise my eyes. And he goes, stop that plane. And he goes, come with me. And so we go running towards the airplane. He says, open the door. He's banging on the door. Open the door. Open the door. Open the door. And the door opens. And the look on this flight attendant, she was not happy to see me. But I step on the airplane and make my way to my seat. And she says, we never do this. <laughs> the gate agent showed me kindness. He went above and beyond what was required. He did what he didn't need to. He saw my plight and he was kind to me. He didn't charge me. He didn't ask me to pay him back, fill out a survey. He was simply kind. And let me tell you, I will never forget it. 
We rarely complain about people being too kind to us. The word kindness has wide semantic range. The meaning of kindness overlaps with some of our other fruit of the spirit like love and goodness and generosity. Kindness can also mean usefulness or altruism or hospitality. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, kindness is most often referred to God. In the New Testament, the word kindness, which is Christos, appears 18 times. In the first century, they often confused it with the word for Christ, which is Christos. This led to Christians often being confused as people of kindness. If I had to define kindness, I would say kindness can be seen as the concrete acting out of love. Kindness is concrete and earthy. You might say, I feel love for someone, but you would rarely ever hear someone say, I feel kindness to you. Kindness is an action. It's lived out concretely. That's why in 1 John 3.16, it reads, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Kindness is an action. In his letter to the church in Ephesus, in the second chapter, verse four, the apostle Paul describes kindness in a very similar way. Listen to this. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God felt love and grace toward us, but lived it out in kindness in Jesus Christ. If I had to put it succinctly, I would say God's kindness is Christ to us. You know what, though? In the modern world, not everyone is such a fan of kindness. In a little book called On Kindness, it's written by a historian and a psychoanalyst. They write, our book seeks to show the peculiarity of modern attitudes to kindness. For nearly all of human history up to and beyond David Hume's day, that's about the 18th century, the so-called dawn of modernity, people had perceived themselves as naturally kind. But they say this has changed in our day. I could cite many philosophers, writers, and thinkers who are pessimistic about kindness. Take, for instance, Thomas Hobbes in his great book, Leviathan, written in 1651. He describes the state of nature that human beings are born into, and he says, it's a war of all against all. He saw human beings as ruthless, competitive individuals. He dismissed Christian kindness as a psychological absurdity. Three centuries later, the French psychoanalyst Jacques Lacan suggested that the Christian calling to love thy neighbor as thyself, it must be ironic because most people hate themselves. <laughs> the writer D.H. Lawrence claimed all compassion is self-pity. And there's a central critique for all these thinkers about kindness. See, they say, when you're kind, it 
shows that somebody else is vulnerable and therefore points to your own vulnerability. And that vulnerability is weakness. And kindness points to others' weakness and our own weakness. Better not to be kind so that you don't reveal your vulnerability. So for instance, the despot cannot be kind to his citizens lest he reveal that he is vulnerable to their revolt. The boss cannot be kind to his employees or he might reveal that there's somebody higher on the org chart that was kind to him, got him his job. He has to say, oh, I earned my place here. Now you must earn it too. The coach who constantly yells and berates his players, he's just hiding the terror in his own heart that he has no idea what he's doing. (laughs) I pray they don't find out. The spouse who can't show kindness to a partner because they're afraid of being found out. If I reveal who I really am, there's no way they'll love me. You can see this in different forms of contemporary Christianity, what some people call muscular Christianity. Check out the book Jesus and John Wayne. When I lived in Seattle, I heard a famous pastor once say, I wouldn't worship a savior I could beat up. (laughs) He has since been fired. (laughs) And there's a famous podcast about his rise and fall. But they all share in this modern fear of our vulnerability. And so they reject kindness because they fear of being found vulnerable. And against this modern rejection of kindness, we have the good news of the Christian gospel. What it says in 1 John 3.16, which really builds on John 3.16. You remember John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. First John 3.16 then builds on that and gives us the so what or the what then or what now. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. God was kind to us in Christ Jesus. Now we are called to be kind to one another. God became vulnerable in his son Jesus. Now we are called to be vulnerable and kind to one another. I, in fact, believe we are hardwired to give and receive kindness. As you know, when I'm preparing for a sermon series, I buy a bunch of books. (laughs) My wife loves it. And I found one to be especially helpful in my preparation for today. This little book is called Neuroscience and the Fruit of the Spirit. Who knew? (laughs) The author is a pediatric chaplain in Missouri. And it's a fascinating kind of reflection on the, the themes of our sermon series and the modern findings of neuroscience and brain research. And he makes the argument that we are hardwired, that we are created to give and receive kindness. When we practice kindness, we experience positive results in our lives. Here's some, of the, here's some of the recent findings of neuros, the neuroscience of kindness. Put on your seatbelts. Acts of kindness produce endorphins which help alleviate pain. Kindness lowers stress levels. This decreases the effects of the stress hormone cortisol. 
This reduced stress will go on to lower your blood pressure. (laughs) The social bonding of kindness helps produce oxytocin in the body. Oxytocin is a feel-good neurotransmitter like endorphins. So like, have you ever volunteered with Habitat for Humanity or maybe for our shadow program or volunteered to teach a Sunday school? And I hear this all the time. People say, you know, I, I came to serve. I came to serve others. And I actually, I experienced more than I gave. That's the work of oxytocin in the body. Studies have shown that giving and receiving kindness will increase the production of serotonin. Serotonin helps regulate our mood in the brain. In other words, serotonin, being kind, chills you out. You guys could use a little. <laughs> here's another, here's, this is the coolest thing. Have you ever heard of mirror neurons? This is, wow. Mirror neurons are what's at work when you see somebody stub your toe and you go, ooh, ow, that hurts. Those are mirror neurons. You, help, you experience the very emotions that somebody else has. And those mirror neurons cause you to be empathetic when you identify with someone else. And mirror neurons show that kindness, when you act kind to someone, you receive the benefits, the same benefits that that the receiver receives, you also get because of the mirror neurons. This effect is known as the helper's high. Yeah. Seems that God has hardwired, created us to show and receive kindness. Kindness is good for others, but it's also good for us. (laughs) All right. I'm going to conclude. We're going to move from neurology to psychology, and we'll conclude with theology. Psychologists have only recently begun studying kindness as a distinct attribute of human psychology. Remember, Lacan, Freud, not huge fans of Christian kindness. At the University of Toronto, there's a child psychologist named Tina Malti, who says we need to recognize three components of kindness to fully understand it. The first aspect of kindness is kind emotions or kind feelings. She says kind emotions involve other-oriented emotions such as empathy and sympathy. It means learning to pay attention to those mirror neurons. It's asking the question, how does the person feel in that situation? What must that be like? How's that single mom with multiple kids living paycheck to paycheck? What's it like? How does that feel? Maybe an immigrant. What does it feel to be a stranger in a strange land? Maybe somebody alone. What does it feel to have no one care for you or love you? What is that like? What does it feel like? That's what it means to have kind feelings, kind emotions. The second aspect is kind cognition, she says, or kind thoughts. This has to do with thinking. It's asking your question, how did this person get in this situation? What happened? Why is it like this? When I used to take college students, most of Central America on mission trips, before we ever left, we would read and do research on the history of the place we were going and ask the question, maybe if there was poverty there, why is there poverty? What were the social historical reasons to make it this way, to think about it? To have kind cognition, kind thoughts. And then the third aspect is kind behaviors or kind actions. It's living it out, performing, helping, cooperating, comforting. Because fundamentally, kindness is not an emotion and it's not a thought, it's an action. 
It's something you do, it's earthy. And so these three aspects of kindness engage our hearts, our heads, and our hands. My mother-in-law, every Christmas time, she's a band teacher, and so she takes her band to go around and play in hospitals and nursing homes to bring joy and merriment to these folks there. And I once asked my wife, I said, why does she do this? She's so passionate about it. I said, well, when I was in my early 20s, I was in the hospital on Christmas. My mother was in the was in the waiting room with all those other folks waiting for a loved one. She was nervous and anxious. And on Christmas morning, some random person comes to the waiting room and brings pastries for everyone. Just just give them away to be kind. My mother-in-law said that kindness, that generosity, that, that kind act of bringing something on Christmas morning that wasn't deserved, wasn't asked for, it was just a kind act. She said that that transformed her, that she wanted to pass that kindness along to others. And that's exactly what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That's the kindness we need to receive that can flow out of our lives. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the kindness you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, it's concrete, it's earthy. And Lord, I pray that that might, that truth might fill our hearts so that it might overflow into a world that desperately needs more kindness in it. In your name we pray. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.